0: And now, live from the North Pole, the 200% podcast with Ian, Father Christmas King, and Edward Carter the Elf. Hello pod fans and welcome to two hundred percent podcast number three hundred and twenty two. Hello ho ho. A ho 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 it's and a and a special ho 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 welcome to our, our guest, Chris Knee. Christmas knee.
1: Hello. <laughs> that that is that isn't why we invited you on. No. Just clear. Uh, Chris
0: is somebody who no doubt anyone who's listened to this podcast will have encountered before from his many uh, podcasts and ribald remarks on the old football internet. Chris has an interesting relationship with football uh, brewing, which is one of the reasons that I was particularly keen to uh, talk to him, <laughs> given my own travails with football in the recent past. So we'll get to that in a minute. But before we get to that, Ian. Yes, sir. 322.
1: 9th of March 2014. OK. Southern League Premier Division. All right. Hitchin Town 5, Banbury United 0. Attendance 322. The, the, the only thing I've got on Banbury United is that their badge is quite frightening. Frightening in what way? Google it. It's a picture. Their their nickname is the Puritans, which seems <laughs> seems like a very strange thing to uh, you know to be to be enormously proud of. Apparently, there were a lot of Puritans in in Banbury. Who knew?
0: Puritans are very popular, aren't they? They're in Plymouth and and Boston, and you know, Pilgrims are essentially Puritans.
1: Yeah. But I mean yeah but this one um I don't quite know how to describe he's he's wearing what I I suppose I would describe as a puritan's hat. It's one of those kind of higher ones with what looks like a belt buckle around the bottom of it. Oh
0: Jesus Christ on a bike. Yeah all right I've seen it now. All right. Yeah it's it looks like something <laughs> out of uh, Trumpton or Chigley or Some other nightmare fuel. Yeah,
1: Larry the Lamb was the most frightening of all, I reckon.
0: You know, he hasn't appeared on any club badges, though. There
1: wasn't a single thing in Larry the Lamb that actually looked like an actual animal. Very distressing.
0: Well, that done, we can now return to more uh, important issues. Chris, what is it about football in the... (laughs) It's just such a stupid question because it is odious and loathsome in every way. Um, But what what particular straw was it that broke the camel's back in this case?
2: I'm going to make myself look like a puppet right from the off because of that specific question. The straw was Jack Grealish. And it really was the straw because there's loads of other stuff going on. But it's that move in particular that really has just kind of taken the sting out of the top level game for me because it was a horrible thing to, to go through as a supporter. We've been through it as, as Villa supporters many times before. It's not new. But there was something about it being this Manchester City and knowing that he was going to go there to win the league and knowing that they would win the league with or without him and that it ultimately didn't matter whether they signed him or not, but they <laughs> did it anyway, and he went along with it.
0: Yeah. yeah. was
2: a really difficult thing to take. Um, so I've continued a bit of a step away from football. I think games behind closed doors in the Premier League has added to that and um, I was already not going to matches in person at Premier League level very often by that point anyway. So it's just a a growing list of little gripes I think and actually as I think we're going to come on to later they have been added to quite significantly since that point anyway. But I should say you and I have discussed this before football fatigue but I am um, yet to miss a home or away game in any competition for the club I actually follow. Well, yeah, this is true. So, I, mean, I still this love um,
0: This Coventry Sphinx, the, the team that you are the programme mm. editor for and loyal, loyal follower right. of. Um, I don't know about you, but mm. one of the great things that I've got, the great salve on my soul uh, that non-league football has provided for me, particularly in the last year of getting back into football, is that there's no bullshit about it. Somebody scores a goal, everyone can look around and go, Well, someone's got to do something about that, surely. But if, ref- if referee says it's a goal, it's a goal. Yeah. Get on with it. Sure, yeah. Shut, yeah. That's
1: and, right.
2: Yeah. Quick check with and the lino. That's it.
0: And that's literally <laughs> it. That's, that's it.
1: Yeah. It's simple, isn't it?
2: That's been one of the things that's attracted me to it one of many things that's attracted me to it over the years anyway um so i just get what i want from football at those games i have to do the program in order to do it yeah it's sort of worth it most of the time we do have this is a, a, a it's a shame i wasn't here last week because we do have in the program that i edit had a quick check a 3 two, one attendance in recent oh, years
0: Oh god damn it
2: yeah and it's a doozy as well
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we can always go back. I can't remember what last week's one was, so this one is bound to be better. Which what happened at your 3-2-1?
2: There were 321 of us at uh, Coventry Sphinx versus Coventry United. Wow. On the 27th of August 2019.
1: The real Coventry derby. The that.
2: Uh, the Coventry derby, of which we have had one recently and have one again in our next match. Nice. Two out of three games.
1: There you go. You can kind I of, well, I suppose yeah, next game now is um Boxing Day or effectively Boxing Day.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's on the twenty eighth. I'm going to be absolutely bereft on Boxing Day this year. I will not know what to do with myself. Yeah, there's
1: nothing below step two. Is there? Yeah, well, On, on actual Boxing Day, it's like it's it's proper football only.
0: It's interesting that you say that the Jack Grealish transfer was the straw that broke the camel's back because you've been one of the most voluble critics that I've seen of the whole transfers <laughs> transfers thing and Ian is uh, of a similar mind I think that there's a there's a whole separate stream now of people who follow transfers rather than football clubs
1: well yeah I mean I don't ever particularly want to sound like a pompous relic from the past uh, it doesn't mm. stop me but um, the fact of the matter is that there is an increasing audience of what I can only describe as weirdos <laughs> who are interested in transfers in and of themselves. The same as, you know, it's like this, the other modern phenomenon of the, the, the Mourinho stands the, They are another thing that I just, I, I don't really quite... I don't quite get it. I don't understand. These are the these
0: it. are the people who support whatever club Jose Mourinho is the manager of.
1: Yeah, and they're such a strange bunch, and they it can't str- and they can't see that his career is slowly circling the pan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know. You know, may, maybe if you're maybe if you're midstream, you can't see what's actually happening. Maybe you. Have to be a step detached from it, you know.
2: Looking, looking. I find both of those categories really frustrating because I believe them both to be participating with a kind of archness that I should really like. Yeah, but I just can't deal with it because I'm so earnest about the game myself. No,
1: they're awful. They're, you know, they're just it's, they're like a like a virus. I'm seeing I'm seeing more um, anti vaxxers up in the, the the proper football journalists replies now. i've seen seen quite a lot of that last few days
0: well you know football reflects life in many ways so
1: society is collapsing
0: yeah yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because it's true happy fucking christmas (laughs)
2: <laughs> Just celebrate the taste of delicious Aste Martini at Unwind's The Wine Merchants Where service is a tradition
0: Girls, boys, music, noise Where is... Unwind's The Wine Merchants Find out I think One of the, the major challenges That football has got in the Certainly in the early months Of 2022 Is going to be our old friend We all know it We all love it. COVID-19. Yeah. Particularly uh, the latest fun variant thereof, which is galloping around the country. So my question to you both is, what do you think the likelihood is that the people in charge of running football are going to deal with this with a little bit more circumspection and careful analysis than the British government, bearing in mind that the motivations of the people who run football and the British government are pretty much similar.
2: It's worth pointing out, I think, that football is claimed to have played a part in the country going into lockdown in the first place. It was, you know, football felt like a driver and the Premier League shutting down felt like a bit of a driver for that happening because football acted faster. And it's got quite a lot wrong since that point. I felt as a non-league supporter, particularly being squeezed in the middle between... What people like Oliver Dowden understand football to be and grassroots football, which I think people can largely get their heads around, was that the FA didn't represent us at all last year and allowed um, the ignorance of government and Whitehall to really affect us very badly without actually standing up for us. And therefore, I suspect what would happen again is that the FA will do exactly what the government do because they were just a conduit for the information from the government, is all they did last year, the FA. So certainly in terms of non-league football, there was no conversation going the other way. They didn't represent us in the slightest. Um, So I think what will happen is that the football authorities, possibly with the exception of the Premier League itself, will look to keep their powder dry and will do as they're told.
0: I think that's probably true.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is obviously higher up the game enormous resistance to shutting down again and that is understandable and I feel as though I don't have an opinion on it. Hmm. Um, My viewpoint is que sera sera. I thought about going to the game between Worthing and Lewis on Saturday it was actually in the Sussex County Cup so you know I didn't feel quite so much as if I'd been swizzed uh, or anything.
0: Well, I mean, Worthing versus Lewis, the chances are if you're going to die of anything of that, it's not going to be COVID.
1: No, plague. <laughs> <laughs> or, or syphilis, one or the other. <laughs> I, I I didn't go on Saturday and as, as you well know, I've been going to a lot of football this season. I've been to more football this season than I've been to
0: for years. We braved the the stand at Bognor Regis.
1: Yep, we went to. a couple of couple yep. of weekends ago. We went to Bognor, We went to Saint Albans.
0: I've thumbed my nose at COVID.
1: We've been to Worthing, Shoreham, and uh, and, and I haven't done that for fucking donkeys years. And yeah. you know, I didn't go Saturday, and I won't go the Bank Holiday Monday, where I think the Isthmian is on that day.
0: Again, though, these are the clubs who are the ones who need it, aren't they? These are the ones who who need it to keep going. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're the ones who are are, are peopled by the more sensible who are going, well, you know.
1: The thing is that my decision is a personal decision. And I'm not going to look down my nose at anybody who is going to go. And furthermore, uh, I'm not going to look down my nose at them if they decide to continue. Because at the end of the day, I don't need to be forced to not go. I can make that decision, whether to attend or not attend, of my own free will. So I'm actually quite happy for them to continue if they think it's, you know, if the if the general consensus is that it's safe to do so. And I don't know who to listen to anymore. And I've stopped caring who to listen to anymore. Because the bottom line is that the only person I can really trust over any of this, all of this, last couple of years, is myself. You know, just to look after Mm -hmm. myself and to look after the people in this house and um, to, to, to do what I can to make sure that when I'm out of the house, I'm not harming anyone else. You know, that's all I can do. And and I can take calculated risks, because I could go crazy and never leave the house. Uh, there yeah. was that weird time when we, when we couldn't leave the house. Who remembers that? I don't think that's going to come back, actually. I don't think that it's going to come back that severe. But I think that there is a likelihood of further restrictions. In fact, I think that's almost certain. They'd be ruling it out completely.
0: Do you think that we're going to be back behind closed doors at football matches? Or, or I mean, obviously it's an outdoor event, so are you, what you could do maybe is you could have somebody every two or three seats. And in, in between them, you could put sex dolls. That's my dream.
1: That That sounds like a dream that you would have. <laughs>
2: that did happen, didn't it? Was it in Korea?
1: Oh, there was. A, think, the, yeah, yeah, there, there was, was a yeah. team in, in in some country or other where they, they um, padded out the stands with uh, excitable-looking plastic women.
0: That's what you need. I mean, I, I'm obviously old enough to remember when they were doing all the stadiums for getting ready for the uh, Taylor Report and all of the changes there. And I remember murals and things behind goals. Sex dolls. That's next level.
1: Yeah, they had a mural at Hybrid, didn't they, in the north? Bank.
0: Yeah, it was, it was awful. It was
1: horrible, horrendous. <laughs> like I say, my viewpoint is that I will err on the side of the cautious. If there is a risk to anybody, I respect that. Whilst I may be undiagnosed, there is a possibility of a risk to me. So, you know what? I'm just not going to take the chance. I've been triple vaccinated. I've got that all done. Um, You know, I've been a good boy. I'm just going to hunker down in my bunker and let's just get through Christmas and the new year without anyone dying. And I'll worry about the details afterwards. There you go. That's my, my current general policy.
0: That's ge- my, my approach to Christmas every year. Yeah, and really.
1: as, as regards football, then if it happens, then great. If it's on the TV, I will watch it. It's kind of my job. And if it isn't, then I'll have to find someone else to write about. From the point of view of a spectator, if it's on, I will probably watch it because I always do. I think the only way to look upon all of it is just as this ridiculous circus, which is what it fundamentally is. And it matters because it matters. And at the same time, it doesn't matter at all. And so you know you can hold both of those truths at the same time. It's like we were talking about that last week, weren't we? We
0: we delve into philosophy quite a lot. We do,
1: we do. It's a very philosophical podcast.
0: (laughs) Shut (laughs) up. (laughs) When you want to turn a spud into grub to warm the blood, oi! Scream for cream. Absolutely natural, cream is absolutely pure But you've got to get the real thing to be absolutely sure To keep your mince pies lots of On their way down to your tummy
1: Oi! Scream for cream, it's almost Christmas Oi! Scream for cream,
0: it's done for Santa Oi! Scream for cream! In the last week or so, we've encountered... An uh, interesting, perhaps troubling, development in football governance. Yeah. The, crypt, the crypto people.
2: Mm. Yeah, they are.
0: They 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 were always going to be coming because they've they've been come, they're, they're closing in everywhere, and um, now they're looking at buying football clubs, particularly Bradford City. Hmm. Or not. Or not. A club club who have surely suffered enough by this point. The thing is, this is an enormous
1: setback for crypto getting significantly involved in senior football in this country. This time last week, no one knew anything about crypto. Uh, No one in football governance or administration in this country knew anything about crypto. This time this week, they still don't know anything about crypto, apart from that it is a bad thing and these people are probably cowboys. So I think that the events of the last few days have been a major victory because these guys were fucking useless. They didn't have the first idea what they were doing. They claimed to have gone to speak to the EFL and the EFL were like, no, they haven't. The Bradford chairman had to put out a statement saying, I I had an email from these people this morning making an offer. And then he came back later the same day saying I'm not selling it to them. Other chairmen are going to be looking at that and thinking, well, we know that the guy at Bradford was keen to sell. Crub's been up for sale for quite a while, I think. And if he won't sell to them, then I ain't going to sell to them either. And, you know, maybe they will get their somebody stuck into one other, but they went about it in such a cack-handed way they didn't seem to understand that there's a PR battle to be won that you can't just walk into football and say we're gonna rip this up and disrupt it and do it completely differently (laughs) from now on and we don't care what you think you can't do that it's not gonna work the point is that these guys are fucking speculators they're ultimately what they are is currency speculators and they are speculating on this completely deregulated market with enormous fluctuations in value and whilst that's great for currency speculators it ain't great for ordinary people and it certainly ain't great for businesses because they need to know what then? You know, oh, right. Like, yeah, I'll pay you zero point zero five of a bitcoin for him. Well, how much is that actually? Because it might be something very different tomorrow.
2: They made a lot of mistakes right out of the gate, didn't they? Because mm. they seemed to be aware that there was some PR to be done. So they, they, the first anybody this side heard of them was this puff piece that they secured. It was the Washington Post, wasn't it? It
1: was the Washington Post, the paper that gave the
2: world Watergate and gave them wag me. Yeah. Um, and they very quickly revealed themselves to be the kind of start-up culture, entrepreneurial type, fail-fast culture people. Yeah. Who just instantly bled into the language like, if it doesn't work out, we haven't lost anything. Yeah. Which for a, a sport dominated by partisan support yeah. was an instant red flag.
1: And with with a strong sense of heritage history and culture as well yeah so well
2: it- a part of that history for for bradford in particular so they they did a i believe it was on twitter spaces as well so that there is reporting that suggests that one of the comments that was made by one of those guys while talking about bradford and reassuring bradford supporters was that they weren't going to go in and start any fires
0: oh yeah so mighty. So
2: and in between that is the business model. So crypto and NFTs are, are different but related yeah. things. Both of them. What well, NFTs are kind of interesting from a a, a sociological point of view, but <laughs> setting that aside, yes. you can also just define them as bits of digital crap that you can buy. Yeah. Um there's more to it than that, but essentially that's kind of the root of it. Crypto is another thing. You can get very wealthy from from doing crypto um I think it is problematic in a great many ways outside of f- football, um, but it's possible to become a very rich person and invest that in football and be an otherwise kind of normal, probably slightly irritating, possibly slightly shit owner.
1: Yeah, but no, they- the
2: idea of funding it through the sale of NFTs, which is not even a membership. You know, we're not even talking about my FC here. We're not even talking about owner FC. Yeah, buying some unique. Fair enough but still digital crap Yeah. as the business model for funding the football club. If you're talking about fail fast lads that is exactly what's going to happen. Oh my god I, they, they have no
1: idea how much money they would lose it, it would just be such a catastrophe
2: <laughs> it really really would. I mean football well, clubs. We, we're going to see it though aren't we it, it because will... um, we're going to see it with the guy at Bedford
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, though, that he will probably succeed in the first place. Yes. And he will probably succeed in the first place because he is starting from a very low bar. He's starting from Division 1 of the Spartan South Midland League, which is, I don't know what it is in step numbers, but it's two divisions below the bottom division of the um, Isthmian. Southern yeah. Leagues, Northern Premier League. I
2: haven't looked that closely at him, but he's probably doing more than just selling monkey pictures as well, right?
1: <laughs> well, he's got 400 and something thousand followers on Twitter. And, so, and he's not afraid to launch a, a mob attack on anybody who's critical of him, which is why I I I didn't quote tweet his tweet. I uh, took a photo of it and um, <laughs> posted it. I, also turned it into an NFT. <laughs> yeah, it's luckily, not tacky enough to figure it out. It's got, yeah, <laughs> it's got put a, dig, put, a, put a digital signature on it, and uh, yeah, made five hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> of some bloke in sunglasses. I think it might have been him, um, actually.
0: <laughs> one of the problems that I have with all of this is that I don't particularly understand. Crypto because I don't understand yeah. normal economics either. my knowledge of non-fungible tokens is rivaled only by my knowledge of fungible tokens <laughs> um, so the idea of, of these snake oil salesmen coming along and selling the I mean the, the, the non-fungible token, particularly okay. from my point of view. As an artist, well, in you it, would have thought that I would be deep, deep in the game of non fungible tokens, but, but it just seems like nonsense to me. Knowing how much you love money,
1: um, oh, yeah. I I, I, would have, money, I would have yeah. I would have assumed you to be elbow deep in it by now. And but the thing is, <laughs> that I do get it. You know, I understand that. Well, yeah, you know, there are digital marketplaces now. And this could theoretically give artists a degree of control over what they, you know, what 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 they produce, and it would and it gives them a income revenue stream. The problem is that it fronted by these ridiculous bros who get up at four o'clock in the morning, drink a protein shake, and then microdose for a couple of hours. Mm. Um, uh, and 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 they they look and behave in exactly the way that you'd expect people who live that lifestyle to be.
2: That is a problem. Another problem is that the most recent artist I've seen quoted on anything to do with NFTs was actually explaining why he had shut down one of his platforms, I can't remember which one it was, because of people stealing his art and turning it into NFTs without his permission. Yeah. Or knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So this, the, not great for artists either.
0: Well no, this seems to be the problem with the whole NFT market, as far as I can see, is that you get people proudly trilling that they've managed to invest in this wonderful picture of a fucking monkey or whatever. And and you know, within seconds everyone else has just copied and pasted it. Right click. <laughs> uh, now <laughs> I've got it too. Yeah. And it's just an it's just a absolute skein of madness that's going on
2: it seems so, I I don't understand it and I I need to keep reminding myself that I need to be aware that there are people who do understand it and I'm not going to get it, which is fine if you actually want to know that you own something digital Mm -hmm. and the other people who also have it do not own it Mm -hmm. that's that's for you I have an issue with the lack of regulation Uh, that is more important to me it's it's worth saying that NFTs are kind of interesting from a technical point of view and a sociological point of view, as I said before, um, because they have this vast possible um, selection of use cases. But we're at ground zero with it. We just don't know. So we've got massive brands. I'm talking the biggest brands in the world going all in on their kind of metaverse and NFT things at the moment. We've got these guys coming into football and trying to fund football clubs via them, which is just... Definitely not one of the uses for it at all. Um, and they're all doing it, fully knowing that until the pornography industry has figured it out, we ain't going to know how they work. That is how technologies develop.
0: 100% is.
2: of the time, porn figures it out for us. It
0: is it's absolutely true. Porn was the driver be- behind uh, VHS. It was the driver behind DVD. Blu-ray fell by the wayside because of porn.
2: Paper straws.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, paper straws. Bill, Bill, Bill Clinton's cigar. Um yeah, The the telephone. Well, yeah. Alexander Graham Bell when he invented the the telephone. Alexander Graham Bell. End. Oh yeah, though, right. That's a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a contentious one. Um, but
1: as he was known after that after making the first pornographic telephone call. <laughs>
0: Get in here, I've got an erection was the first phone call um, the, the the His idea was that you know a, a, there will be one in every village once this phone thing caught off, and that would have been the case had it not been for the need for phone sex, presumably and then everyone needed one so they could all you know sit behind their closed doors and really pound on their meat.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, there's absolutely no question about it.
0: <laughs> I think that there there is. We need porn to take the lead here. What is the British government doing to incentivise pornography, figuring NFTs out? That's, well, that's my question.
1: I don't think that this country is a, exactly a leading light in that sort of thing.
0: Well, it's a terrible shame. I feel
1: your disappointment.
0: The British porn industry should be the best <laughs> in the world.
1: What? Well, who? Well, who well, what? Who's the British porn industry then? Bendover,
0: <laughs> Bendover, and the uh, Confessions of movies. I think. And the people who own West Ham. And the people bring who own West, bringing it yeah. back to football. The people who own West, the, the dildo,
1: the dildo brothers. The
0: dildo, yeah. Well, the, there's <laughs> there's the dildo man who went to Aston Villa that time. There is, and then yeah. you've got the bloke who stuck uh, flare up his ass at Euro 2020. That's the British porn industry as it stands
1: as of today.
0: I think Britain, the British porn industry, is dogging basically, isn't it? That's what Britain has brought to the world of porn.
1: I've, I've not and, looked that close. and it's
0: it's not something that you can really turn into an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: dogging dogging is an extremely fungible token.
0: Oh yeah, well, I mean, you know, say what you like about a dog, but a dog is a fungible object. <laughs>
1: uh, you get an EFT if you go uh, if you go dogging.
0: Do you think this is the thin end of a a, a wedge, and that football is going to? Become. I mean, this is this is crazy. This is like Demolition Man territory now. This is the three seashells and Taco Bell being the only restaurant. This is really the future. In that, I don't understand the fucking thing that's going on.
1: It makes the most sense if you understand that the the most powerful motivating factor behind it is. Cocaine and steroids, <laughs>
0: <laughs> which brings us back to porn.
1: <laughs> I thought you had. To say, so you could have said any footballer then.
0: Well, yeah, that's true.
2: We are looking at a future ed that you and I don't understand. I think to a degree, and it's. I think the fact that I just don't like bros is part of what's going to turn me off of the whole thing. But there will be. Bad owners, as a result of it, I'm sure there will be some successful bids higher up than Bedford at some point, And they will, I mean, potentially succeed in some degree, but they will fail as well. But one of the arguments that's put forward by the, the mobilised mouthpieces in the Twitter replies on, on these stories is that there are bad owners already. And there are. And I think there may well be an increase, but they will ultimately fall into this, the similar sort of patterns that we have now. Where I think we'll see a lot more of it is probably um, the increasing influence of Bitcoin in football generally and also NFTs and related crypto businesses stepping into the gap that gambling is going to leave behind in football sponsorship.
0: Mm. This is true. And I mean, obviously, uh, crypto will have a big part within gambling because people will be encouraged to gamble their Bitcoins. Once they've got them, I guess. Um, Well, I don't know. I mean, you know,
1: one Bitcoin is what, $23,000? I've got Mm -hmm. absolutely
0: no idea.
2: I'm just going to say the word blockchain here and kind of look very smart and not know why I've said it. I've got no
1: idea. The blockchain is the registry, isn't it? That's right. It's the the public ledger. Yeah. The ledger that shows. Except it's all very well it being public, but... Actually, it's encrypted. not remotely open.
2: Public, but encrypted.
1: Yeah, it's completely, um, you know, completely anonymous. Which is why I just assume that if anybody starts talking about Bitcoin to me, uh, I just assume that they they they're either a child sex trafficker or <laughs> um, a, a, a you know a, a gun dealer.
0: Well, yeah, I guess so. Especially if if one Bitcoin is worth twenty three thousand pounds. I mean. I lived in central Brighton for five years and I'm sure that there were shops around the corner from me that accepted Bitcoin. So if I'd gone into one of them to get a potato with my Bitcoin, I'd, God alone know how many sheaths of monkeys that I would have needed to get in change.
1: It's not an actual coin. You're aware of that, yeah?
0: That would explain why my own cryptocurrency, Dotcoin, didn't work. <laughs> Because that was an actual do you, coin.
1: Do you actually think that Bitcoin is, a, is like a gold coin with a B printed on it? It
0: was when I did it. I, I made a dot coin. I drew my face on a piece of cardboard. This is true, actually. I drew, I drew my face on a piece of cardboard and cut out a, a circle shape and then said, oh, that's one dot coin. And who uh, did you give that to? As
2: someone who has to mess around with stock images as part of his job, I can tell you that it is entirely possible to see a gold bitcoin in the flesh. They're not real. Wow.
0: No. But, yeah. but then again, oh, yeah, yeah. is money real?
2: No.
1: Transfer fees are not real. Money is real. You can buy things with it.
0: It seems to be the perfect combination, doesn't it? Maybe they, all transfer fees should be paid in, in cryptocurrency to satisfy. But all the transfer maniacs.
2: Yeah, Maybe that's how we satisfy the fact that every transfer fee in English football is actually a tenth of its real value nowadays. Exactly (laughs) a tenth of its value.
1: Well, I mean, that would make, what, a £23 million transfer would be
0: 300 Bitcoin. It doesn't sound very impressive, does it?
1: No, a thousand Bitcoin.
0: Maybe the secret is to do it all in uh, Korean won. Anyone who's ever seen Squid Game will know all about the Korean won. Now, that's a serious currency to do transfer dealings
2: in. I I think the the obvious solution is massive deflation, isn't it?
0: Or just common sense. Just (laughs) return to (laughs) common sense rather than trading human beings for hundreds of millions of pounds. But, you know, Um, that's just me. Well, you know, I I...
1: I, I largely shrug my shoulders at it. I certainly don't get angry about it.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just confused and tired. It's, that's what
1: I would... All I need is a nap. Make the festive
0: season sparkle
1: with the all-new Holiday on Ice. It's a scintillating spectacle of virtuosity and magic that's fun for all the family. From December the 30th to 17th of January at the Brighton
0: Centre. Most major credit cards accepted, so phone the box office on Brighton
2: 202-881. For generations, Carven have created many of the world's most romantic perfumes. But nothing as intriguing as their newest
0: perfume, Intrigue. For those days which promise something extra
2: special, Intrigue by Carven. The secret of promises to come.
0: You've probably noticed uh, that by several key metrics, 2021 has left a little bit to be desired. But anyone who's listened to the 200% podcast will know that we are two weary and beaten up middle-aged men. Are we, as old duffers, really the right people to turn to for a fountain of unbridled optimism about the future? This is why Chris is here, really, because he represents the youngest person that either of us know. Um, oh, God. Now, we—what we, oh, we've done is we've we've we found a millennial, basically, which is anybody under the age of forty, as far as I understand it. Just, and, and we make no apologies for how jaded and forlorn our millennial is, as we ask him, "What? What do you think? Uh, what? What? What?" what what have we got to look forward to in in football in 2022? English success in the world cup that, I mean, I certainly, I'm probably not going to be watching it.
2: Well, this is the thing. So I, I have been throughout the years, a a fairly sort of dedicated, largely non match attending England supporter. Few home games here and there. That's pretty much it. I don't go away. There's a whole culture of people who do that. And i admire the hell out of most of them. Um, I can guarantee you, here and now, that England will win the World Cup next year.
0: Oh, it's, it's written in the stars. Absolutely, the one
2: hundred percent, one hundred percent. And the reason is, I am not watching England, and I'm not watching the World Cup.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: So yep. The, the World Cup. I've actually, I, I'm sort of a little bit impressed with myself about the World Cup thing. So I'm certain. I'm not going to judge anybody who watches that World Cup at all, because you not. A few weeks ago. <laughs> I was pretty much in that boat as well. But I said at the time, with everything that happened around the selection and everything that happened since then, the situation in in the, the country that's hosting it was too much for me. And over time, I've eased off on that and thought, actually, I really like watching England. I probably will. I really like the World Cup. I probably will. And we're now less than 12 months away. Or is it exactly a year away, isn't it? from The final, from the as final. we
0: sit here now on the 20th, I guess it probably is.
2: I think it's 364 days until the final or something like that. Ridiculous today. Um, <laughs> the joys of knowing Ryan Keeney, and, and we're pretty close to it. And, and I'm actually moving further away from watching it, and I really think I will not do it because it's I, I can't shake it, I, I can't shake how wrong the whole thing is.
1: Yeah, no, I and I understand that I felt it very strongly about six weeks before the Russia World Cup yeah and I actually if anything felt queasier about that one than I do about this and I can't put my finger on exactly why that is Um, I think it might I think it might be an age thing you know I mean I did I was of the last generation to grow up during the Cold War and
0: or as I like to call it the, the first, first Cold War, War.
1: Yeah, the first Cold War, yeah. And Russia, to me, is a far more confusing and potentially volatile country than Qatar. Um, Qatar, at the moment, as far as I'm aware, couldn't destroy the world with the press of a button. And I'm uneasy... About nuclear states, and I am particularly uneasy about nuclear states with strongman leaders, and so I was very, very uneasy about the World Cup being hmm. in Russia.
2: But it was awarded in 2010, which is, I think, which is why they're slightly different in my mind, because I would argue that the uh, world's perception of Russia has probably shifted quite a lot in the last five years. Never mind the last ten.
1: Yeah, it's uh, see the thing is that I find it difficult to remember. Do you know what I mean? Um, is it you know what, what was this? Was this ten years ago? Twenty years ago? When when did they shoot down that airliner over Ukraine? Um oh, about ten years ago. I can't. I don't even remember. And and uh, and, uh, and and look, and Qatar again. You know, it it, it makes me deeply uneasy. But. The argument that we're already elbow deep in the politics of that area and the bullshit of that area, to me, you know, I think that's the most powerful argument against it, is, well, you're already doing all this stuff.
0: When you're already balls deep, you might as well carry on pushing, is seems to be the argument. Yeah, and, but...
1: but I mean... I. I I think it's a terrible idea from a practical point of view. I think oh, it's yes. kind of disgusting that they that they they've both contorted the calendar to play it. Yes. The, 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 uh, uh, six months later. Yeah. I think that it's going to be. Um, I do think there's a part of me that thinks it's, it's going to be a it's going to be really gaudy, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's going to be you know really over the top. The human rights stuff is. Fucking gross, but I don't know whether this country's in a position to lecture anybody on human rights at the moment. Um It's awful, but I I was more unsettled by Russia and I got through that. Yeah. And I in can... any case in, in any case, if I'm you know, I'm gonna be it's gonna be work. I don't I don't have a choice of conscientiously yeah, objecting true. the World Cup. <laughs>
2: absolutely and I, I, I wouldn't criticise anybody who just watched it because they wanted to um, yeah. so that's, it, it has become for me a very sort of personal decision and it it's one that I may renege on yet as well it's just where where I'm at the moment is I'm not feeling it
1: as is, yeah, as is your right yeah it's interesting because I've been through sort of similar sort of confl- conflictions of emotions and it does always feel like a very personal decision doesn't it yeah. Doesn't feel like you know. I I don't understand the people who come to this sort of opinion and then want to tell everybody else to do the same thing. That is yeah. absolutely the opposite of whatever I've ever felt about that.
0: that. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that the Qatari rulers would want you to do. Is yeah. Have, a, yeah, have an opinion and then yeah, be really ha- obnoxious and, do, and then do what it. I say.
1: Yeah, be really obnoxious about it. On social media.
0: I imagine that I will probably... I'll I'll follow it, but I won't watch it. Mm. If England get to the final, which, as Chris says, they will, and they will win, I don't know whether or not I'll be able to resist. Because, ultimately, at the end of the day, my my decision to not particularly want to engage with Qatar is, as a Formula 1 fan, I already engage with half a dozen of the world's most... Awful countries on a yearly basis, and I sit there with my little flag that says Formula One on it and get really excited about the Chinese Grand Prix and the Russian Grand Prix and the
1: The North Korean Grand Grand Prix. Prix.
0: (laughs) And well, I mean, the end of the season this year, what were we? It was essentially a triple header. Well, no, the, let's say the last four races of, of the season were Brazil, Qatar, Saudi <laughs> and Abu Dhabi. Now, you know. Yeah. Fine. What, what, what are you going to do?
1: Look, well, the thing is, we watched the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix together. We did. And it looked awful. It was a, dis- you know, it looked like it was being done in one of those, you know, internment camps where they flogged People who disagree with the government. <laughs> it the track was awful. Cars just kept crashing. Um, it, I mean, to me, it looked like a disaster. That race, that was no PR victory for them. That was no sports washing.
0: Well, I mean, and I've, yeah, said, yeah. I've
1: said this before about the sports washing. What I'm most interested about the Saudi sports washing is that they have a reputation for not being very good at sports washing. All the other countries, say what you like about their politics and their human rights records. They do at least know about marketing and how to be glossy and slick. And uh, Saudi Arabia apparently are a bit more like your embarrassing uncle, <laughs> who don't quite, they don't quite get it. They're not very good at it. Yeah. And we, we've already seen that. Actually, we've seen that this week already. You know, when, uh, when the, the Abu Dhabi lot went into Manchester City, uh, you know, they made a couple of big signings. They bought Carlos Tevez. Um, and they ended up with somebody stuck that great big sign saying, Manchester, welcome Sheikh Mansour. The Saudis come into Newcastle. What's the first thing they do? They get pissy about related party Financial agreements, sponsorships. Then they get pissy and say that refereeing is biased against them in the Premier League. They're, They're fucking useless, is what they are. They they're useless. They don't understand the concept of you've got battles to win here, lads. You, you need to get people on your side because they are the biggest country in that region, aren't they? You know they're certainly the wealthiest. The money in Saudi Arabia dwarfs the money in Qatar, the money in United Arab Emirates. They are minted beyond minted beyond minted, and I think that that geographical size uh, and that vast 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 wealth gives them this kind of arrogance which is not a strong look to have when you're coming into a football club.
2: We're talking about other problematic countries from, from a problematic country itself. And yeah. differentiating between them, based on who's richer, whose human rights offences mm. are worse mm. and whatever, is really difficult. And it ultimately means for me that the World Cup comes down to very, very fine lines.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no that's not... But yeah, what I'm saying is that it's that this, this 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 difference between them and the other countries if, could affect the way that they behave, which makes them worse yeah. at running a football club.
2: Yeah. No, I'm with you. I've just I'm sort of moved back to the World Cup a little bit, really, and just thinking, like, it's... I can't give you an argument or anybody an argument for why Qatar is worse than Russia for me because I sat and watched the, the World Cup in 2018 and I'm probably not going to do the same now. And I'm wondering whether it comes down to really very small things, like if it were being played in the summer, would I watch it? Maybe I would. might be different. If Jack Grealish happens to get locked up before it happens, will I watch it then? I'll be watching England again, or he retires. I'll be watching England again. Will I be able to not watch the World Cup with England in it in a state of me watching them? And it comes down to stupid little shit like that. Well, I mean, I'd yeah. go oh, as far yeah, yeah, as to yeah.
0: say that I would probably be less anti if it were being held in Saudi Arabia, simply because Saudi Arabia have World Cup pedigree, whereas Qatar have never qualified for a World <laughs> Cup. Yeah, and, yeah, OK. And yeah. At the same time, I don't want to, you know, come... It, it, it's, it's, it's easy to come across as a cultural imperialist, isn't it? And, and go, well, yeah, I don't want to deprive the the people who live in these countries of actually getting to see a World Cup because it's going to be brilliant for them if you know they're the sort of people who are allowed to go. But and also, you know, I live in Britain, which is one of the worst countries in the <laughs> well, world. Well, I'm just currently. looking.
1: I'm just looking at the popular the population of Qatar is 2.88 million. Okay, so. I I I am I am I am not sold on this. I'm delighted for the people that live there, shit, because there ain't hardly anybody living there. That's <laughs> a third the population of London. You chuck the home counties in, and it's less than a quarter. Yeah. That's fucking bullshit. That country shouldn't be hosting a World Cup finals.
2: Yeah. Well, if we do in the World Cup, that is smaller than Uruguay, which I think we're all agreed probably can't do the centenary on its own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's or you know would you would you try and hold an entire World Cup finals in Wales?
0: Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't
2: you? You know, I would. Well, yeah, it'd be entertaining.
0: <laughs> certainly, some of the grounds. I mean, I'm told that Barry Town, for example, is a excellent place to watch football. Port Talbot.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's that...
0: FIFA A grade. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm pretty certain that they have to be forty thousand all seater. So by my calculations, there's.
0: Yeah.
1: One. There's one in Wales.
0: Well, that's a start. Is
1: Cardiff is Cardiff Arms Park still standing, or have they not it I
0: believe it is, yeah. I
1: think so. Wales, population 3.13. There's more people in Wales than there are in Qatar.
0: Right, so that's our new campaign. Going to get the, no, get I mean, the you know, World I Cup played I... in Wales, but we also it has to be in December.
2: <laughs> Shared bid with the other man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. You have because you have to have it in December then, because otherwise it'll clash with the uh, TT.
1: No, there, there is there is no logical reason for holding a World Cup Finals in Qatar um, beyond quite clear and evident corruption. We all know that.
0: What about in terms of twenty twenty two? What does it? What does it? Uh, promise for the Sphinx how are, how are they doing
2: they're doing okay very inconsistent I think uh, 2022 should be positive assuming everything stays on and is, is going as planned uh, so we are towards the top end of mid-table in a new division which we've not played in before uh, which is maybe surprisingly competitive I think we, we were always expecting it to be tricky because we kind of tend to operate on a fairly low budget compared to the divisions that we're in but we're doing pretty well uh making sure that there are some good results in there that the team's running away with that division which is going to keep certain other teams in our division which is hilarious but i kind of preferred they went elsewhere we are still in the fa vars for the first time in 14 years in the fourth round so we will play a vars game in january hopefully against a team from london which is, what? as a Sphinx fan, is like so strange to me. Seems well, like the other side of the world to me. London, all of a sudden, where I used to work three times a have
1: week. They made the? Have they made the draw? Yep. Have they
2: made the They've draw? They've made the fourth round draw. We are playing against uh, the London Lions.
1: London Lions.
0: Okay.
2: I believe their full name might be Maccabi London Lions. Oh, right. okay. oh, I've
0: heard of these. Yes, uh, I know this. Step six,
2: I believe. We had a really good run in the Vars last year, actually, as well. We were in this strange situation where we played up until the end of October, played a Vars game on Halloween, and then did nothing until two games, two weeks apart in December in the Vars. No league football happening at all. All behind closed doors.
0: This is the this is the joy of the, uh, the non-league experience. I mean... It, I imagine that most people who listen to the 200% podcast are not unfamiliar with non-league football, given the amount that we bleat on about it. But it really is a, a, a whole new world. And from all the things that we've discussed today, you know, COVID planning and NFTs, this is a world where people just sort of turn up and read The Guardian and drink Bovril and bring their dog and then go home. And you know, there's a football match. If you want to watch it, it's fine. Uh, and if not, then you know, it's fine. It's a marvelous. It's a marvelous place. It's They are hubs of. They are hubs of the community. These non-league football teams, and they must be protected.
2: If you're really pliable, they'll make you do the program. They make you do the podcast. They will make you do the match reports. They'll occasionally rope you in to be the match day secretary. It's great fun. You
0: should you should be aiming aiming for mascot. That will be my own. I was very critical oh, mascot, of the mascot at, at Bognor Regis. I thought that the uh, the the head that it had to wear was totally unfit for purpose, and that the mascot itself wasn't giving it enough.
2: What, what what does a... Uh, they're the rocks, aren't they, Bognor Regis?
0: They
2: are. What does a Bognor Regis mascot look like?
0: It's a bear. <laughs> Unfortunately, Yeah. it is. Yeah. It's a bear in a, bear a, Bognor, in a, in a Bognor shirt. It's looking down at the ground because the head's too big to, to be comfortably worn by an adult man, which I presume <laughs> is what was inside there.
2: I, sounds it, like they might have redeployed Cherry Bear from Bournemouth in the 90s to me. I,
0: yeah, it sounds like they probably are. Yeah, it is lacking... Um, but I suppose obviously a rock would probably have mobility problems. What? I don't know. <laughs> or it could just have legs sticking out the bottom of the rock. It would look like Whizbit if anybody remembers Whizbit.
2: Oh, you could have someone. Sit, you could have a wheelbarrow with fake legs sitting over the front of it, over the top of a rock in a wheelbarrow.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because at Hereford, they used to have a bull, didn't I? I think they, they still would take do around the pitch. Well, there you go. So Bogner have got their wheel power over rocket. <laughs> they just put it, push it out, put it on the <laughs> centre spot, come back out before kick off to take it off again. They used to do that at um, Carlisle, didn't they? At Carlisle, they had because they 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 the, they've got a Cumbrian Fox on their badge. And they used to have a stuffed fox that they would take out and put on the centre spot. And kick-offs. I'm sure I read that. I don't know whether that's true. I would like um, some form of confirmation well, of that. Joy,
0: joy unbounded. And in fact, we did get confirmation from last week's podcast that uh, one of our listeners has not necessarily themselves drunk bovril, a white bovril. Bovril with milk, but their friend was served it at a Welsh league match. I forget what the club oh, was. Oh, God. Was it Kefen Druids?
1: Um, I think it might have been, actually.
0: <laughs> too, too, many, too many cooks was blamed, and unfortunately, <laughs> the last one slipped a bit of milk in someone's Bovril, which apparently wasn't, yeah. wasn't that bad, but I refuse to accept that.
1: Oh, no. The old... Yeah, the old fool cow. So that's, uh, that's,
0: Listen, that's an update.
1: I've got a news story for you here. I've got an update for you okay. here. From the Carlisle United website. All right. Attached is a photograph of a gentleman called Colonel Sankelt with his hounds as he was preparing to go on a fox hunt. The picture was taken in the grounds of Holmhill, Dalston, uh, now Limehouse School, and dates back to around 1912. Colonel Sal Kelt was aware of the connections in the area with John Peel and having caught a live fox, donated it to the football club. We have been unable to confirm where it was kept, but it was clearly extremely tame as it was put on a lead and walked out onto the pitch ahead of every home game at Carlisle (laughs) for a number of years. When it died it was professionally treated and <laughs> oh. mounted and became our match day mascot that... the fox remained in club offices until george baxter started the tradition of carrying it out onto the pitch and that tradition has, has continued on and off until this very day well there you go that was in 2006 i am so yes they used to the carry a stuffed um its name was Olga.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, because that really an is ana-
1: Because it was an anagram of gull.
0: That's better than gully. I would much prefer if somebody just had a string of stuffed seagulls. A stuffed
1: gullies. fox. Just a stuffed fox on a wooden plinth. Carry it out. Stick it on the centre spot. There you go. Look at that. Well. Yes, it does. Yes, it does smell a bit. It so does. do you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my, well, you know, my uncle lives in Carlisle and now I realise I must visit.
1: Well, I, I've, obviously, what I'm really interested in now is whether there are photographs of it on the internet because I <laughs> uh, I, I definitely... He's going to be confused by the fact that they've got... Oh, no, that... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's... Cause, they have. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, okay. I've got to find a way of sending this to you. Oh, um, Jesus Christ. And I, and I want you to say,
0: say what you see. <laughs> God's sake. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> so what you've got there is is a, a quite a friendly, normal mascot. A man in, in a fox suit. Wearing yep. an Eddie Stobart-coloured Carlisle kit. Carrying yep. a rabies hound from hell that's mounted to a plank. <laughs> <laughs> if that's happening at every Carlisle match, I'm going.
2: I actually prefer them in that state, having been responsible for picking up after them on a football pitch in Coventry.
0: That's no oh. way to live.
2: No, it isn't. There
0: we they go. really are awful. I
1: have... I have sent that picture to you as well. You
2: very much. <laughs> can... This is the first time I've been in a real-life bakery in Calico, by the way. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, what is this? <laughs> Why is it in a stock photo that you can buy? <sighs> well, that's, that's an even better question.
1: That was just the first one I found. If you just do a, run a Google image search for Olga Carlisle Fox... It brings up just everything
0: you need. <laughs> everything you need.
2: I'm glad they've taxidermied him how they would want to be remembered.
0: I hope that when that mascot, the man in the mascot, dies, they will treat him in the same way. <laughs> <laughs> and then wheel that out as well with a new mascot, yeah, no, a new man in the mascot.
2: Um... What you don't know, Ed, is that the little ones driving the big one, crank style. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh sweet jesus christ i think we've had enough of that christ yeah like well that's that's an nft for the ages that one <laughs> <laughs> i had to
1: get rid of that folks because it was starting to smell a bit fungible yeah
0: <laughs> anyway that's football solved for another year i would say in it just uh thanks very much for joining us chris
2: well, thank you for having me.
0: Always a pleasure. Yeah, always a pleasure. Um, are we doing one of these next
1: week? Oh, I think we should. Oh, I think
0: we should take a week off.
1: Right, oh, so we'll be back That'd
0: in be. the new year for FA Cup third round if yeah. that happens.
1: I'll be right. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Anything you want to plug, Christopher?
2: I think I would get told off if I didn't plug Hundred Football um, because as we're recording uh, the phenomenon formerly known as IBWM 100 is returning tomorrow with a list of the 100 most exciting young players in world football and then we're going to ignore them for a year and then write about each one of them and grade them this time next year so that is going to be a big focus for me in 2022
0: and you've got a mate you've got quite a good batting average with those lists yeah Um, really good quite a number of these players pop up
2: They do. We've had some absolutely top-class ones over the years, and it's really nice to be able to bask in the reflected glory of the list that I have absolutely zero input into.
0: (laughs) That's the best sort. That really is the best sort. There you go.
2: Right.
1: Are we done?
0: All finished. We good? Yeah, I'm off to uh, go and find a fox...
1: Well, yeah, I'm well. I'm off to just go and hide from them. I think keep keep a distance from that horrible, mangy old rabid thing. Um, we'll be back again, same time in two weeks' time. Might even be free. <laughs> so you know, we'll see how it goes. Keep keep an eye on them social media channels for further updates. Thanks very much for listening, and goodbye.